Hello, and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Wayne Wise, the only co-host who didn't show up last week, but the only one that is here this week. Hey, Wayne, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. Just make it up for that. I guess <laughs> it was it's weird. I mean, last week, I think Katya pointed out, she's like, oh, I haven't been on in a while. And everybody's like, when's the last time we were all here? And I was like, well, we're not all here. And yeah. I was like, again, the entire point of having five people is that we don't all have to be here. All right. Time. Right. <laughs> that is the joy of this show. So, you know, I'm kind of curious from the listeners. Do you enjoy that? You never know who you're going to get. Or is it like weird or what? Because like. For us, it works. It's great for us. I, and yeah, I mean, I know I'm here most weeks, but you know, like but a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't. And, you know, it was just like, surprise, Mav's not here. You know, so I don't know. Works for me, Wayne. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I, I think it's good. I, well, we would all be insane if we were all here all the time. I mean, that, that's that's kind of the bottom line. Of, so and I'm here most of the time, which is why I'm like this. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, I was like this before. But also, you know, in a perfect world, I'm on every podcast every week. And I say that like I say that on Twitter all the time as though I meant it. But like, really, it would kill me if I was on every podcast every week. And then I also said I say that on Twitter all the time because as of time of recording, you know, Twitter exists. But, you know, this episode doesn't drop for like three more days. <laughs> so, 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 so who knows? That might not be true anymore. Yeah. So, you know, if there is no longer a Twitter anymore, you know, I guess that's where I used to say that sort of thing. But anyway, <laughs> what have you been up to? Just the same old, like, I, I have no excuse for not being here last week. Other than just, it, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. So something exciting for today, I think. We're going to go crazy. We haven't done a Marvel episode in quite a while. So this time, and I guess it hasn't been that long. We did She-Hawk not too long ago, but it's been, it's, it feels like it's been a while. So yeah. we're talking about Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is a movie that came out. Yeah, and, I've heard of um, it. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got some thoughts on it. So one of the reasons that nobody else could come today is because schedules being what they were, none of our co-hosts were able to see it yet and they don't want to be spoiled on it. So understand that, you know, We'll give you some brief thoughts on it and then so, we so, will do spoilers. But um, so not only are they not here, they're not even listening. They're not. Yeah. So we can say whatever <laughs> we want <laughs> and, then and they won't get mad at us for like at least another week and a half. Something uh, like that, yeah. <laughs> but before we do that, before I, I want to we, we do have a guest to, you know, to replace. I guess not really replace. We can't replace any of our hosts, um, but to, we have a guest. So, to so, so it's in. not just you and me talking to each other. We yeah. do have a guest. Yeah. Welcome back. AJ Ortega. You haven't been here in a while. How's it going, man? Doing great, man. I'm doing great. <laughs> Happy to be here. Always a good chat with y'all. So yeah, I'm here to talk about this movie because I, I did enjoy it and I was happy to get the ring from Mav. <laughs> and uh, sure, I was like, yeah, I want to get to talking about this and uh, be the authority on the Mexican shit. Okay. <laughs> <So> then, <laughs> we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about that because I actually yeah. think that's fascinating. So, so okay. So first, before we uh, okay, <laughs> in case people do want to turn off, you know, before we get into boilery stuff. Just blanketly. Did you like it? AJ, did you like it? I liked the movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, Wayne? Me too. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I did not love it, which is to say I did not think it was quite as good as Black Panther 1, which I think is one of the best superhero movies ever. Not the best. I'm but with you. There. It's I enjoyed this quite a great deal. Things that I can say without spoilers. If you are listening to this show, you know that Chadwick Boseman died and he is therefore not in this film. And this film has to deal with that. We will talk about how it deals with it in a little bit. 
but the film misses him in that like he was a phenomenal actor and so I noticed that he wasn't there but also what I was looking for from this movie was I thought hey if if it's just a movie where the cast is sitting around and crying about Chadwick Boseman and we all in the audience we all cry with him I'll be okay with that that's like what yeah. I was hoping for from the film and, yeah, uh, kind of that's what was kind of what I was expecting I expected more yeah. of a plot than just that but I really thought that was going to be all of it and and there's more to it than that yeah there's I enjoyed what was there I thought it was one of the better Marvel movies quite possibly the best one yeah in the last year I mean I, I liked it better than I, I didn't hate Thor Love and Thunder the way other people did but mm-hmm. I thought this was better than that I thought it was better than Doctor Strange which I didn't care for yeah. at all yeah well and I mean it's this movie it, as we said before you for as much as people talk about the MCU it's not a monolithic structure movies mm-hmm. all have different feelings and this movie carried more weight to it than the last yes. Thor movie did and that's not the last Thor movie I thought it was thoroughly enjoyable I liked it a lot it did what I wanted a Thor movie to do. That was not this movie. Right. That was a comedy and it was a silly goofball comedy where stuff didn't make sense that I didn't care. Everything in this more or less made sense. I have some quibbles, but everything yeah. in this movie more or less made sense. And I enjoyed it for what it was. AJ, similar? I'll say that I agree with you 100%. Thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Had a good time. But I liked the first one significantly more. Mm-hmm. I felt that, and I knew we were going to address the Chadwick Boseman absence, right? Right. And that there would be a deficit in the movie because of it. And I felt that in place of his presence, they just put a whole lot into it. A whole lot of movie which mm-hmm. I think they tried to do a lot. I think it was an ambitious movie too, but it, it did a lot. It did too much almost at some points and mm-hmm. could have, you know, been 10, 20 minutes shorter, maybe. There were some choices um, that could have been made. Yes. We'll talk about right. that in spoilers because I have one very easy way to make this movie better. <laughs> but again, I think that where this movie shines is a new character, a new antagonist, something mm-hmm. And again, it's hard to follow up. Killmonger. Killmonger. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. He might be the, to me. And I don't, here's the thing. I don't, full disclosure, I don't watch every Marvel, everything. I can't and I don't care to. It's right. too much shit and I don't engage with all of it. I can't. Mm-hmm. I'm Ooh, very selective. Yeah, I'm yeah. Very, yeah. And that's very fine. Selective. Yeah. And, but as far as a character, I don't think you get a villain more motivated than Killmonger. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just, you just right. don't. I don't, I mm-hmm. haven't seen it. You know, so there's a lot to live up to in that regard. But again, lots to admire from this movie. Lots to admire. Yeah, from this. I agree. I agree. So we liked it in general. And I guess, you know, from here on out, spoilers. Spoiler alert. So, OK, I guess this is your last chance to get out. Come back next week. But we're going to talk about it. I thought the choice to kill him in the first scene the very first scene was bold and once i realized like so it opens up with him dying like off screen of presumably cancer and i thought oh we're doing this mm-hmm. oh, oh shit I thought, I, was, I, was, I thought it was covid or something man I, my mind went somewhere else i don't know oh, really <laughs> I, I thought i mean like she yeah they never came right out and said it but uh, yeah, they say he's sick and he dies and i think that i mean whatever it was i guess doesn't really matter but it is it, it, the, the film opens up with shuri trying desperately to come up with a miracle cure and then her mother comes in angela bassett comes in and you know, tells her it's too late and that's and then they just cry and i'm like and this is the first 60 seconds of the film and I yeah, was like, quick. and that's when I was like, oh, we really are doing this. We're just going to cry for two hours thing. That's 
Oh, wow. And I thought that was bold. Yeah. And I I did like that. Again, it was this mystery ailment, but something cancer like, right? Something very, like, acts very much like a cancer and that that he helped or cured. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. It felt very real world. It it wasn't some weird Cree disease or something, you know, it it wasn't some superhero Marvel thing. It was, oh, nobody punched him. There was no supervillain. It was just, you know, this guy we know and love got sick and died. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. And I find that that really powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It made it feel very real. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I feel weird saying I liked it because, you know, it, it was tragic and sad. But also, I mean, for me, this was a bold choice and the best possible way they could have addressed that, which is sort of the, you know, the the subtitle, the sub theme of today's show, which is what do you do when an actor dies out of a role? Right. For sure. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if it's like a Doctor Who actor, you can just reboot him. Right. Like that's like the reason Doctor Who does the regeneration. Right. Right. But then, you know, and you can do stuff like, I don't like, like if it's, if it were James Bond, you just eventually you swap the James Bond out anyway, but it feels weird. Like Marvel was in this space where the people were arguing, do we want to cast a new one, a new person? The character is too important to just not have him be there just because Bozeman's gone or is his legacy too great? And Kevin Feige said early on, no, he's our Black Panther. We're not recasting that role. We're not recasting T'Challa because the movie, again, obviously makes it clear that there's going to be from the commercials. There's going to be a new Black Panther. I wonder who it could be. Who would this new Black Panther who is five foot three, a hundred pounds soaking wet be? What member of the cast? <laughs> I think it's M'Baku. Yeah, it was. So- <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. but they did that. And I thought, okay, so if we're going to have him die in the film compared to other choices that have been made, and the one that sticks in my head is Carrie Fisher when she dies in the last Star Wars movie. And then they just have her standing around in cut scenes. And I thought, and it feels really awkward. And I like, I, I was like watching that. I was just like, this was a choice. And I don't know that I appreciate it. Yeah, that felt awkward. Again, you, there was a, a sense of, there wasn't any humanness to like that, you know, post death Leia character. Right. Right. And so I felt, it felt distant in that way. And even, you know, if you write her out of the story, it felt distant. I guess that's kind of like the same thing they did with like, and I'm not familiar. I don't really remember this but crow right brandon lee right Mm -hmm. and so this oh well we're in the middle of production so let's continue with you know stunt doubles and special effects right and we'll make it however we can right well in his case in lee's case they were mostly done like he's in all the acting bits of that movie he's there for right they they were finishing up stunt work so it's doable i mean like there's places where you can tell but it's not it's the he's in the majority in the movie the one i would compare it to would be paul walker fast and furious where he like dies and then the movie ends with an actor who is very clearly paul walker's brother (laughs) like it's not it's just not the same guy there are scenes at the end where they've got like Paul's face superimposed on him but for most of the part like his brother just finishes it and it's like wow he grew six inches between scenes that's (laughs) that was a choice and he's skinnier you know so mm. (laughs) like that's I don't know but then this is different right and I don't know that I don't know what I like better I like this better for this case because they made it into the movie and because he is so identified with it but yeah the weirdness to me is that they've also the same studio in the same breath that we cannot recast Chadwick Boseman. William Hurt dies and they're like, eh, call Harrison Ford. He's another old guy at work. <laughs> and then, yeah, right, and yeah, like, right. so 
we've recast and there's a they, they're like the character of thunderbolt ross who i get is not as important as, yeah. as black panther but like they're just like yeah we'll just toss another guy in there so yeah. it, that's weird right is it, it's not just me it's weird for them to make the choice one way one time and the other way the other time yeah well I, although you know no one died but we've had three different hulks on screen so yeah yeah and that's the county, yeah yeah so they just kind of do it without acknowledging it so yeah the recasting thing and another part of, of this that, that did make us powerful is the fact that you know the audience obviously knows that Chadwick Boseman died there, there was that element of public grief that surrounded his death and you know it's much like you know that episode we've talked about with Riverdale you know, here's this you know when when Luke Perry died mm-hmm. we have these actors on screen grieving as the characters in the movie but there's a certain amount of real life grief over yeah Chadwick Boseman sure. passed away and that translates and that, that gave it you know a lot of power I mean that those opening scenes were a funeral memorial for T'Challa but you know on a metal level it was overtly a mm-hmm. memorial for Chadwick Boseman and they didn't shy away from that it, that it was really like it, yeah. incredibly obvious but it didn't take me out of the movie either no no I, in um, fact it's, what, it's much of what I loved about it yeah exactly I thought it seemed very again like you said there's a certain like authenticity in the performances even if it's again artifice of grief because there's again artifice of the grief for T'Challa but then there's an authentic grief for Chadwick Boseman right and in the way they display it with again like we did very public very uh, the mural that yes in the movie all that stuff I thought I was like it, it gave this fantastical world of Wakanda this new authenticity again in this bittersweet kind of way you know it's like well we have this beautiful homage to him at the beginning with this all these layers that it does bring and this is also a, the guy's not around anymore like for mm-hmm. real yeah, there's a grounding of that. Word. Yes. Yeah. So the Riverdale episode you, you said was a good example. And yeah, that's like where they're telling stories where they're clearly just telling stories about about Luke Perry, the actual person. And in fact, one of my favorite things about that particular episode is just for that episode, they cast Shannon Doherty, who's not on any other episode of Riverdale, right. but she just shows up to show her grief on that episode yeah. because real life Shannon Doherty wanted to be able to publicly say goodbye to her friend. And mm-hmm. that's that, and that's clearly what it is. And she ends up being a woman that he had just saved, like right before he died, like for like the character doesn't need to be there other than the fact that we want to give Shannon Doherty in a, a reason to be on screen right now. And so things like that, I felt like were there and what was amazing, and this is where I want to give Wakanda Forever credit, the Riverdale episode did not feel like an episode of Riverdale. Like, it yeah. was just the cast, you know, it was just the cast grieving, and I was okay with it. It's actually yeah. really good. It's a very cathartic episode, because it's like, it just feels like, it feels very emotional, but it does not feel like part of the show. And in fact, there's, like, there's conventions in the show where the bad guy is just like, yeah, I'm gonna not be evil this week, so I can tell a story about your dad. And it's like, yeah, okay. So, But, like, with this, it didn't have that this felt authentic not just in the grief but it felt like you couldn't have written a better story like like there were parts of the movie it did feel like two movies in in a way there are things with and i guess we're in spoilers we can talk about like namor is the villain right and so much of the story felt like oh okay he was supposed to be having these fights with t'challa yeah and they had to rewrite it to be with shuri oh i'm sorry Spoilers. Shuri is the new Black Panther. You're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I couldn't tell who that was in, in silhouette. So part of this was that was like, I was like, OK, get that they wrote some of these scenes before he they knew he was going to be gone. But I also felt like it worked because was invested in 
the origin story of Shuri the Black Panther, right? Like mm-hmm. the story becomes okay if he if Chadwick is gone. I'm sorry, if T'Challa is gone. See, and and that's why they're they're indistinguishable. But if T'Challa is gone, then I guess Shuri has to car- carry on this legacy. And I guess in the same way, if Chadwick's gone, Letitia Wright has to carry on this franchise, yeah. which I, she's taking everything all the problems behind the scenes with like her anti-vax stances and stuff if you don't know about it that's that there was there were issues on set taking that out she is not the actor he was and but i also think it's unfair to ask her to be yeah and she did an amazing job with what she was given to do yeah and that's it i think once again talking metal levels there was the whole you plot wise it was his little sister shuri stepping up into this role that she was not prepared for Mm -hmm. and in the real world with Tisha Wright suddenly bears the weight of this franchise on her shoulders in a way that she didn't expect to do when she signed her contract. And I think given the circumstances and yeah, there's all the behind the scenes stuff, problematic and whatever. I thought she did a remarkable job given those circumstances. Yes. And, you know, just a little inside thing here when we were doing our movie game last January and picking movies for this year, most of us didn't want to pick Black Panther. We we thought, though, that's a no brainer. We will make shit tons of money. None of us were convinced it was going to come out thought you picked it. Right. yeah because she picked it pretty late yeah. it, relatively because relatively for blockbuster because she was like i'll take the, i'll take the risk but the rest yeah. of us were like will this movie even happen yeah because and, and of this year yeah none yeah. of us were this was gonna come out this year yeah and i mean and again that was all because of her well-known publicly denied but like every trade in the world has reported on the fact that she was a backstage problem because of her stances on covid vaccines and also like we know because she was denied entry into our country for a while she's british and she couldn't come here to finish the film for a while because like they were because they were blocking her entry because of because she won't get covid vaccinated Mm -hmm. so so like that was we knew that when we were drafting the game and just as a footnote to our episode from two or three weeks ago on doctor who the only other place i've ever seen her as an episode of Doctor Who. Oh, oh yeah. See, I've seen her in yeah. several things. She's in uh, she's in uh, in uh, in Ready that, Player One for Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you've seen that and you didn't notice cuz you blinked. Yeah. I know, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's it. I l- let me let me say I I know she's in Doctor Who. I may have seen her in something else. Yeah, she's in The Commuter with Liam Neeson, which is for all intents and purposes taken on a train. Like it's right. <laughs> He's on a train and the train gets taken and she's in that for 2 seconds. And she's, you know, she's a working actress, but she's not, she wasn't ready for this big, you know, like it's literally like, well, you're going to carry this franchise now because you're left. And I think she doesn't have really hard. Yeah, Yeah, it's really hard. Again, going back to, you know, Black Panther one versus two again, like I thought in terms of acting ability and stuff like, you know, Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan are powerhouses. They're cut above everybody else. Like they're superstars, you know, they're tremendous actors and Mm -hmm. we're here. You know, it's like, you know, you get this new character, you get Namor. And I felt that Shuri just wasn't a strong enough foil and the performance wasn't strong enough to equal that. And it felt like, okay, well, once you add everything else, though, like Angela Bassett, she's a badass. She's Mm -hmm. fucking killing it. It's like once you take the ensemble cast, that's like it's not just, you know, it's like all of Wakanda. And then Namor, right? When has the, yeah. you know what right. I mean? And common here of you know, on an episode that doesn't feature any of our female co-hosts, 
this movie was so female said yeah. yeah and the first one was yeah. as well namor then, namor is the only real male character other than okay so we can point out we're in spoilers martin freeman's in this movie i like martin freeman the man's delightful he has no place in this movie yeah there's then no that was yeah there's no reason screen, for, yeah. you can go to the bathroom there's nothing yeah. he does nothing of consequence and i like him but yeah. like he, yeah you could have reclaimed 20 minutes from this film yeah and without m- hurting it at all well, yeah they could have taken him out and uh, elaine from seinfeld and there'd be yeah, literally no white people in the movie or something like that you know? yeah. yeah and that was those are there to tie it into the Both, larger yes. marvel plan yeah. yes they are but, they are and, literally and, and, in the movie to be a commercial for another movie and that's yes and it's yeah. way and, and mbaku steals every scene he's in i mean he's wonderful but i mean the cast is so female centric and in, in such oh, a good about, way yeah they, yeah, they, they are he, all such strong mm-hmm. female characters like just two to a person like you know angela bassett murderer of an actress you know well, Lita, yeah i mean she's a killer you know yeah. mm-hmm. And then, you know, but then our main one that's going up against the antagonist of the film, it, it was hard sometimes to kind of take the ride, you know, at mm-hmm. least for me. Again, I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I'm, picking, I'm picking it apart, you know. I'm being very I, I, I think as much as I liked her in the first movie, you know, I went into this wondering if she was up to that role. And I think she surpassed my expectations. You know what you're saying, AJ? Same. But because she surpassed my expectations, I think I was more forgiving of that. I, I agree with what my expectations were. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what it is for me. Like, I think the question is, was she up to the role? I think it is a very good way of putting it because she is up to the role of the film they gave her. They played yeah. to her strength by making her, by making her character Character, you are a capable young woman who is in over your head. That's her yeah. storyline. And yeah, sure. <laughs> so it comes across and it works. And I, you know, and I thought she thought she did as well as anybody could have asked her to. Like, I like I don't think we're being fair if we say she's not good in it. I think the problem is we're comparing her to Chadwick Boseman from Black Panther rather right. than everyone else who's ever starred in a Marvel movie. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like, like she's fine compared to, you know, the cast of Eternals compared to Scarlett Johansson in Black Widow, which, you know, she was yeah. fine to, compared to like literally, you know, Chris Hemsworth in like the first two Thor movies where he's like wooden. She's better than that. So I, so, so I think, sure. I think she's doing good work with what she is and she's surrounded by powerhouses. Like you said, mm-hmm. Lapita Nyongo is amazing in this. And uh, I mean, okay. So Angela, Bassett, that was an Oscar-winning performance in great. a superhero movie. She's absolutely amazing. She's not in it. She's in it enough that like she should get. And I don't know that she will, but she should get serious consideration for Best Supporting Actress at the Academy Awards. She nails it. And they, mm-hmm. you know, I wish they hadn't. They play most of her speech, or half of her, her big speech in the commercial. But the context of it, when, you know, when there, oh, yeah. there's a point in the film where she basically gives her Oscar speech, which is, you know, she is confronted by essentially the United Nations for Wakanda being too, you know, too secretive and not sharing with the rest of the world. And she basically tells the United Nations to fuck off (laughs) and then then later the same thing happens again when she's confronted by her own people who are worried and she looks at them and she says my entire family is dead do not fuck with me and it's amazing angela bassett rocks it and it's just literally she she plays this woman yeah she plays this woman who is just she is the ruler she doesn't want to be she was the mother of the previous king and married to the king at before that and now she has been forced under the throne that she does not want, but by God, she's going to do it. And she is so good in the role. 
So I very much enjoyed Angela Bassett. And even, I mean, okay, so spoilers again, she dies in it, but even the way that she goes out, like the, just the, she barely knows Riri Williams and she sacrifices herself for Riri Williams, which is a plot element that seems kind of dumb, honestly, but Angela Bassett sells it. Yeah. <laughs> Angela Bassett yeah. sells that moment where she's just like, oh, okay, girl that I don't know, I am a protector. So you will stand behind me, little girl. And she's like supposed to be 19, but you know, she just becomes a mother in that scene. And it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I enjoyed her immensely. And I, you know, I enjoy a lot of things about this film, but one of the things that I wanted to point out was just because AJ, when I asked you if you wanted to come to the movie, do the movie, you said yes, because you wanted to talk about underwater Mexicans. Yeah, <laughs> so. basically. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, because of, you know, Star Wars and whatnot, we got, you know, Mexicans in space with this is named Diego Luna. <laughs> and so they know we, now we got to talk about, you know, underwater Mexicans. And, you know, truly, that's a big part of the conversation, right? That And that was a big mm-hmm. part of the conversation. The first one representation, like damn near all black cast, all this stuff. And this one, it's like, you know, this reimagining of Namor as, you know, influenced by Mesoamerican culture, you know, mm-hmm. specifically lots of Maya stuff. I love that. And it's one of those mm-hmm. real things that these guys themselves, these actors will say, like, like, I never saw myself in films. We never saw people with our faces, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that this stuff is like truly groundbreaking and actually moving to us. You know, <laughs> Mav knows that this past year, you know, I've gone to Mexico twice to vacation and whatnot. So I can get closer to my where I'm from, you know, I'm Mexican-American, mm-hmm. I'm a proud Chicano. And it's like, that's been very important to me. And this like I was just at Chichen Itza, which, which is where like like I saw shit with like Ukulkan, the, the feathered serpent, like mm-hmm. fucking ancient shit right there still, you know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that was so woven in here beautifully was just a sight to see. Yeah. It was beautiful. I, you know, and and I figured that's how black folk felt when they saw Black Panther one. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. And I'm the thing the the only complaints I'm seeing is coming from that contingent of people who don't like changing their characters. I'm seeing complaints about Namor, the whole that's not my Namor. Oh, yeah. Which is yeah. weird. I love yeah, that shit. Like, it's great. Yeah. Like, and kind of fuck that. Because you know, I mean, because <laughs> I mean essentially, you know, if they had thanks to Jason Momoa, they had to redefine who he was. Yes, because you know, like in the comics, Atlantis, you know, it's Marvel, DC. It they live in the same city, just you know, it, it's the same thing. But yeah. even the establishment of Aquaman, Jace Momoa in the DC movies, if they had just presented Namor the way he appears in the comics, non-comics people would go, oh, "That's a ripoff." He's no Jace Momoa. So <laughs> developing that character with a different culture, I was fine with that. And as an old guy who likes old comics, in terms of the core characteristics of him, it was Namor. He had fucking wings on his feet people right, like right you got this you know what come on you yeah. had to love it like oh we're gonna do the wings on the feet and we're gonna take it seriously when he flies that that shit's gonna flap around <laughs> we're gonna yep. do this yeah, like a fucking hummingbird it was tremendous yeah. dude yeah so, it's like with full goofiness that's right we're literally gonna comment on it where people are like how is that even working it makes no sense and oh but we're gonna thought, do it and i thought it was i thought it was very so very inventive in the fights because the fights are not the fights are not what they were in the first one which i actually think is good because the fights mm-hmm. were my least favorite part of the first movie i thought they were super cgi heavy like the moment when shuri grounds him by cutting the wing yeah i'm like oh Fuck it's beautiful yeah. it's that's, right. that's like oh yeah. and then and he's and he and they have it affect him it's like he's not flying magically he's flying because he has little flappy wings on his feet and it's great yep so and, 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 aj so, you're you saying the move movie like a hummingbird that hadn't hit that hadn't crossed my mind that analogy but that's perfect oh mm-hmm. yeah and it's so, and that's the way very, he's zipping around yeah yeah and that's in the again there's it's an amalgamation of maya and aztec stuff yeah. you know <laughs> Ukulkan is very much related to uh, the aztec Kuala. 
And and uh, the hummingbird is in 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 Aztec is the Huitzilopochtli, the god of something. You know, he's one of the one of the gods, yeah. the Aztec well, god, I, powerful. I, I know the, figure. the that's one of the inscriptions, the Nazca lines. They're one of the ones. Oh, yeah, of, giant hummingbird. Yeah, giant mm-hmm. hummingbird. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so, like all that stuff, I thought was like, okay, cool. And again, that at the root of who Namor is, it does all that. And okay, so but now it's has this brownness, indigenousness imprinted mm-hmm. on it. I'm like, well, cool. Let them be underwater Mexicans because I'll be the first to say Atlanteans don't need any fucking representation in film. Okay. <laughs> it's not a real place, assholes. Right, okay. Right. So, so, so in that regard, and that also that this idea of the connectedness with water is a very real thing in the Maya culture. You know, the sinkholes were, they call them cenotes. The sinkholes are, are that's, there's always pyramids around them and there's sacrifices that happen there. You know, there's, now they throw in copper and jade and gold and children and warriors, you know, yeah. <laughs> and because they believe that those were the portals to like the afterlife, yeah. right? Whereas in, you know, Western Christian-ish stuff, we look up, right? Whereas over there, they looked down, like it was the pathway to the, the afterlife the, was through water. Underworld. Yeah, the underworld. Right? And so the fact that, you know, these indigenous folks in the, in the they retreated there because of, you know, the conquest happening, yeah. essentially, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. Colonizers were literally coming and they ran to the sea and it was fucking beautiful. Mm. <laughs> like, I, well, and just you know, thematically tying that in with Wakanda, you know, that those mm-hmm. concepts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I liked about this film, and, I, and this is where I was wondering how people are going to feel about it. And I think I mentioned I talked about this a little bit on on Wisecrack Live for us a couple of days ago for, for the listener or for us yesterday. For the listener, it would have been last week. So I'll link it in the show notes, the episode that I was on where where we, you know, we reviewed the movie. But I want to go more in depth on that because we didn't talk about that there. I wonder there's a big thing in Marvel movies where the better villains and this is not all villains because a lot of the villains are stupid but and as much as i like love those movies a lot of them are stupid the better villains have a point right like you go killmonger as a serious point and arguably is the morally correct one like some of his methods are a little questionable but killmonger in that first movie i'm like no t'challa's wrong killmonger's right on this one people yeah yeah yeah. yeah, people do have like i there are a lot of people who are like thanos was right i don't actually buy into the thanos was right thing but i do think thanos had a legit point killmonger was just right okay i get and i get where the motivation is so great it's just storytelling 101 it's fucking good yeah. Yeah. And then this one, this movie tries to do that again because what I think is amazing about it is Namor's not quite a villain per se. Like he's, you know, he is at odds with the Wakandans because he wants to attack America and he tells the Wakandans, you know, help me or don't, you know. So so he does take a villainous turn eventually when he, you know, when he attacks the Wakandans and kills a bunch of people. But like up until that point, he's like, I really want to attack America because they're coming for me and I want to attack them first. And he's not wrong. They are coming for him. They don't know. They they don't know what's down there. So he's like, he's looking for allies and it kind of like he's justified. Even if you feel like, oh yeah, but he does want to do conquest. It's like, well, 
he does, but he has no reason to trust, you know, surface dwellers because frankly, even though he missed it, you know, his mother saw the surface dwellers, the white coloners destroy her land. So he, and he's seen other and stuff. He, and, he saw the, he, and he saw it as a child, you know, when right. he and didn't like, witness that. Right. So I he's think not, we needed to stay there wrong. longer though. Right. Like, yeah. So we could see that character motivation a little bit more again, storytelling wise. Okay. We understand why he's the, again, maybe not a villain, but an antagonist, right. We'll use that. And that, not that not that it has to be like exactly like the previous villain, right. but I think you spend some more time being like, why is Namor the way he is? We got a glimpse of it in the flashback and it was yeah. cool to see. Mm. I'm glad that they took time there instead of just, you know, verbally for exposition, but they show mm. it to us for a little bit. And again, very reminiscent of the fucking slaughter of the indigenous people, you know, 500 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's like we get kind of why he's motivated to act the way he does. But again, not in that we're following that character like Killmonger, right? Where we need to know what he's thinking and what, you know, and so Mm -hmm. on. It's with a little bit of distance, but it gave some kind of credence to, you know, why he's behaving the way he's behaving, you know? Which, I mean, I guess you don't want to, you don't want him to just be a a Killmonger ripoff, right? So I get why you don't want to do the exact same story, but it does make him seem not quite as like, like I'm not as on Namor's side as I was on Killmonger's side. Mm -hmm. Oh, so I'm not saying like he needs his own movie and make it a a prequel to this and I will fucking. And that would have helped. 10 times. (laughs) Right, right. That's the thing, right? Like they, they do like, he's a little more clearly the bad guy, even if I understand him, but I. I am interested in him and like you know he survives the movie because marvel has a tendency to kill off their villains he survives this movie with ideas in play to where you know it's like he could come back which i thought was great i mean i think he was a good character so i so so i enjoyed what he had there and i think i think the movie does a very good job and i've not seen people like really upset about this but i'm sure it's coming once they really start to think about it the real bad guys here are the americans they're just oh, like, sure. like like I mean, they're not really in the conflict. The conflict is between Wakanda and oh, so Talakan is I don't I can't pronounce it in actual Mayan. So I was looking it up. They don't use the same spelling. They call it Talakan here. And it's like Talalakan or something like that in Mayan. Right. And anglicized it. Anglicized it for the movie. Yeah. I don't think they just anglicized it. I think they wanted to copyright it. I think they were just like, we don't yeah. want to call it Atlantis because oh, we can't copyright true. it. And they can't, and we don't we and we can't use the actual Mayan spelling because that's something we don't own either. But we can make up something that's it'll good. confuse white people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll put it right in the middle and put a TM right next to it and we can sell a toy set. So I think that's what's going yeah. on. What's going yeah. I think that's what's going on. But anyway, like yeah. I just I like that I like that they're in this position where the Talakan versus Wakanda is the con conflict but the conflict is over how do we want to deal with the colonizers yeah because yeah, because they're the ones who are really wrong and that's and I still i enjoy the moral complexity of that and i'm surprised yeah. that we're not really seeing a lot of pushback yet of people and it might just be that the people who would normally push back against this are not smart enough to realize what was going on and also they're very busy dealing with elon musk you know so yeah. <laughs> <trying to laughs> like, i mean like seriously i think that like is a bit, the people who would normally be writing about oh you're too woke you're too woke you're too woke are very engaged with twitter wars this week so oh, like, i think that 
also, you know, and, you know, fuck them. I don't really care. But I do think that's <laughs> actually I think that's taking away from some of the what would otherwise be the mudslinging discourse that would be around this. Um, one of the other things, and we did talk about this a little on the other show, was the Haiti of all of it, which was not as in your face, but I think it's still there, particularly in that. So at the end of the film, you find out that that T'Challa and what's Lupita Nyong'o's character, Nakia, yeah, T'Challa. Yeah. And Nakia have a son who they've named T'Challa Jr., nicknamed with the Haitian name of Trasant, which is the leader of the Haitian Revolution. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, wow. They never say that in the movie, but that's who that is. Yeah. And it's like, it's literally like, you know, Ryan Coogler is not doing this on accident, right? He, you know, he knows what he has done. He has named his kid, this kid Trasant, after, hold on, after the leader of the Haitian Revolution, who is, you know, you're, so Someone's going to Google that and learn. Right, and I right. think this is a, this is literally trying to make if you learn about the Haitian Revolution, where it's like literally, you know, slave or enslaved people saying, you know, the fuck we are and fighting off the French. Like it's that is yeah, that is a, that's an yeah, that's an important story. And I think that is supposed to, you know, be seen as like a stinger on the entire movie. Yeah, now that that's a piece of it. I, I didn't, yeah, didn't know or pick up on. But no, but you're right. I mean, that's not accidental. Right. And it's literally like, oh, Tissan's my Haitian name, but my real name is T'Challa, Prince of Wakanda, T'Challa Jr., whatever he calls him. I don't remember what he, if he says he's Jr. or if he says the second. I don't remember. But it's literally part of it. I mean, I guess, I guess like you cast this kid and you wait 10 years and you can continue the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that's like the, I think part of the yeah, we, we thing. Had a conversation here. There's a certain amount of, oh, you know, if, if this keeps going, we can retire Shuri and bring him in. So but I do think, but I think that this is trying to be. It's trying to be a subversive movie in so many ways that like I like that's I mean, again, that just that idea that the name is again, a name of resistance and a name of, you know, being in conflict and fighting colonization, which are, are the themes here, like you said, and thus making the American folks, white folks, the, uh, the actual villains. Right. Mm -hmm. And, the, you know, the, and the. Uh, Speaking of names, I thought that the explanation for Namor's name was brilliant. You yeah. know, no, no love. No. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, was, yeah, it's like I think when when they did that, I was just like, huh, never noticed that before. Yeah, same here. Yeah, and, a, and you know, and that like, I guess apparently in the you guys know, would know this uh, that uh, it was Roman backwards, and that's all there was to it in terms yeah. of like 1930s and 40s comics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so this where they again they imprint this, you know. El hijo sin amor, sin amor, namor, right? Or no amor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or uh, uh, just that that linguistically that explanation again it's loaded it's mm -hmm. a political statement it's yeah. right and it so was, I think that that's great I think it's awesome it could have come across as so heavy handed and I, it didn't for me so like I'm because I'm thinking about the closest comparison I can think of is the movie Solo where they're like oh you have no name you, you have no last name and you have no people so you're Han and you're alone so you're Han Solo, Solo. Right, right. Yeah. which is so bad it is so like i'm just like oh god no no one cares just 
Like, my, like <laughs> I, I never had a question of, gee, how did he get the last name Solo? Right, Any more yes, than I had did. the question. <laughs> I, I, like, I've never, I've literally, I've known you for a, a decade, I think. And I've never been like, huh, wonder how he got the last name Ortega. I've just figured, well, that was his dad's last name. And, <laughs> and, and they were like, right. good enough, right? <laughs> like, right. That was, like, like, that's how, because that's how names work, right? And so, right. like, I never, like, I just, like, what does Namor mean? It means, you know, that his mom liked the name Namor. That's how I. That's how I'd always assumed well, it. But yeah, when they yeah, when they make a story they, out of it and it didn't feel forced, yeah. I thought was well. And say but, that you know originally, as I said, it was just the, the word Rome spelled backwards. Thanks, Bill Everett. You know, back in 1939. <laughs> but you know, but it's like okay, he's Atlantean. It's an Atlantean name, and nobody gave it any thought beyond that. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah. It's a made up place, yeah. so we make up names. Who cares? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. His cousin's <laughs> name is his cousin's name is Namora. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and her, and her no, daughter Mar- Namorita, right? Yeah. And her daughter is Namorita. That's right, because this is how much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now it's like, oh, okay, we're just like that's what that's, they did in the comics. And yep, they're, that's and they're how much like, yeah. they gave to it. Yep. So now it's like, no, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do something with this. And I was like, I was with it, you know. Yeah, I was like, okay. You know, I was just gonna say, just the the comics guy in me, just for people who watch the movies and don't necessarily know the history, maybe a, a little bit of that. Just your Namor is he and the original Human Torch. They are the first Marvel Universe characters. Marvel Mystery Comics number one, 1939. They were the first two characters to appear. And from the beginning, he, you know, like we had Superman, we had Batman, superheroes were just beginning. But boy, you know, talk about a character who was introduced without a pro social agenda. <laughs> yeah, in, in the earliest Namor comics, he is attacking ships from the surface world because they're a threat to his kingdom undersea. Mm-hmm. Right, and, right. And I mean, he is, he's an antagonist from the beginning. He's an anti hero from the beginning. He is mm-hmm. not Superman, the good guy. He is a no, he's an eco warrior. Yeah, he's he an eco warrior. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And he then isn't. World War II started and he starts teaming up with Captain America and then Bucky and fighting Nazis because they're a worse threat that redeems him a little bit in that hero way. But even you know, when they brought him back to the Marvel Universe in the early 60s, I mean, from the beginning, he's from that return. He's always been in that anti-hero, anti-social, never quite sure whether or not to trust him place. I mean, that he's always in that character. I think when played at his best, that's the role he fills. He, he's not the guy you want saving the universe. And I thought they captured that aspect. The complication of him being a ruler, someone with a temper and a tremendous mm-hmm. amount of power. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it wasn't the, maybe Wayne, you can speak to this or Mav, both of y'all, but the, I guess, and I don't know how many iterations of him there's been, but I guess in the original iteration, like, again, his skin on the page, like, appeared like white, but his face was foreign. Like, like he's othered in the comic, right? Yes. He's yeah, I mean, vaguely. He's, he's a Vulcan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he looks he's, kind of Vulcan. I don't know. I mean, honestly, and we don't know because everyone who worked on those original books is dead, but, but he honestly, in the original appearances, probably was kind of an Asian stereotype. I think it, he was it, coded as kind of Asian or Asian slash Middle Eastern even, yeah, right? Like yeah, yeah. his features and whatnot. And, it, and yeah. that becomes, that that tones down a bit once he joins the Allies during the war, because, mm-hmm. you know, he couldn't, be, he couldn't be thought of as Japanese. But he wasn't, oh, right. he was Atlantean. He wasn't, he was not yeah. Asian, He but he was othered in the way that, like, he's not one the, of us. Right. Atl- that might be. Yeah, a lot of the Atlanteans, the way they were drawn at that time, 
had weird fish-like mustaches and things that were kind of in that yeah yellow they were peril, yellow feet, you know, yeah <laughs> Asian <laughs> menace kind of thing yeah it's sure. it can be very problematic to look yeah. at if you actually go back and look at them they're making decisions that are you know not politically correct in 2022. And frankly, only barely so in 1939. Yeah. I mean, and with, and this is a whole different show, but the whole, you know, so much of comics, like everything else in the 1940s, the, the use of it as propaganda for the war effort, for sure. the, the nature of propaganda is to dehumanize the enemy. And mm-hmm. boy, you know, the way the Japanese trade in all media at that time is not real good. So yeah, comics are not alone in that. But yeah, I mean, there, there was a definitely vaguely Asian foreign quality to him. But yeah, um, but it's non-specific. It's it is yes, you know, it's absolutely it's right. Vague, it is yeah. vaguely Asian, which is why, which is what I'm wondering. So, like, we, I mean, we talked about this. You know, the whole underwater Mexicanist of it is I brilliant choice that I thought because this is not from the comics. The in the comics, Atlanteans are blue or green. Some of them are green. You know, mm-hmm. they have two races. They have blue Atlanteans and green, and a minority race of green Atlanteans. With the exception of of Namor and his Namora, and, and, Namorita. And Namora and Namorita, like the three of them have a mutation that makes them look like white people. So, oh, wow. like they're the weirdos. And I thought an interesting choice was made here, which is they're only blue where they're suffocating on land. Yeah. <laughs> Once they go underwater, like oh, the, the, the biological explanation for it. Yeah. yeah, I was like that was insane. like they get like it's a weird choice. Because when it first happened, when they first go underwater and they're seeing, I'm like, oh, is it just that the water, the light is diffused so they look more natural than they look less? No, they're just not blue. They're underwater so they're good now. That's what's going on, right? Like, it's not just me, right? That's Mm -hmm. Is that how you guys read it? Their skin tone comes back when they're, you know, in their element, I guess? Yeah. I mean, they had those, you know, biological rebreathers or whatever they were that allowed them to function out of the water. Yeah, that it, it was an interesting choice. Yeah, just like you said, like, they're themselves... When they're in their home, their space, their land, their kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but, well, yeah. well you met, metaphorically, they're other when they are out of their element. When they're home, they're right. just. And that's people. what I was going to say. Yeah. Right. Whereas I was going to say, even Namor's character, again, like, think about it. He's indigenous to there, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. from there, but he comes on land, he speaks with an accent, and we're aware mm-hmm. it's an accent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're aware that the Wakandans are hearing it as an accent. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and it's one of those things that Mexican go through all the time we're treated like foreigners but we're from here what the mm-hmm. fuck like we didn't go anywhere immigrate from where we're from here yeah. like uh. right and so that that was kind of coded in there too which again is kind of neat and i just the kind of shit that i never shut up about and then it's like oh, look, I'm saying the same shit i do you know i i i i, 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 movie, I should say. no well i loved that and again this is ryan coogler in his element right like ryan coogler is going to make a movie about race then ryan coogler is going to make a movie about race and the fact that it's a superhero movie is secondary and that's what i love about the superhero genre it's what i want out of my superhero movies is i you know i like the talky bits so i like that they played this so seriously right like i i like the drama i like the racial allegory i like the metaphors i like the tension between the two different kinds of brown people right like i like i like i love that namor shows up and he's like check it so what's gonna happen is we're gonna we're gonna team up against the white people right and and Shuri's like, yeah, I don't know, you know, like, like, uh, like, I, I don't know you. And I mean, he makes the assumption. He makes the, 
overly liberal assumption that, <laughs> hey, you're a person of color. I'm a person of color. We are the same. Let's team Let's up team and kill up. Whitey. And she's like, no, I mean, I like she clearly feels for him and understands like when she goes down she's like yeah i'll go to to, to telecon with you take me and then and like riri's like no don't trust him and she's like no nah, i'm good and she does seem to want to understand their culture and then she comes to understand her culture and she's like i'm still not exactly on your side just because i understand you and i like that that's the source of the tension <laughs> you know like, mm, yeah, like brown yeah. people are not a monolith right like <laughs> you know like right. they, they have different viewpoints and they both i mean i don't know that everybody in their kingdoms represent that you know he's the king of atlantis of telecon and she's the and she's the princess and later you know it's queen because her mom dies so like but she's she rules one country he rules the other country so they're speaking on behalf of their countries but like i like that they are allowed to have individual different outlook on what this means and i don't think it's enough to say she represents the black experience and he represents the mexican experience i don't like i don't th- i think that would be an over 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 simplification but I do think that it shows that not all minorities are the same. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that, okay, we may share the same oppressor, but we're, can't, we're not going to go about it the same way. Right. And even within us, you know, there are people that are, again, behaving differently with different motivations and whatnot, you know, within each group. And yeah, and, and it's like, yeah, it starts to show the complications of, you know, people of color operating in a white world or white spaces or under any kind of white authority, right? Mm-hmm. And so I thought it does, it, I thought it does some really just stuff where, you know, like after these conversations, we can kind of dig into it and get into it. But again, not like hitting you over the head with a frying pan when you're watching the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, and that like, you know, even when like our first shows up, he's like, oh, my mom used to tell me about a place like this. Like you, you black folks have done it up nice. And like, there's clean. Like, and, like, and I love that it opened up with this. Like, I love that it opened up with this admiration for this. Like, oh shit, I heard that there's a place like this, man. And that he has this admiration for Wakanda. Mm-hmm. That nice crib. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fist bump, you know, like what? Hey, I don't want to dwell too much, but I do want to talk about some of the stuff that I that we didn't like. And I'm, I can, and we haven't talked about it ahead of time, so but I'm guessing it might be the same. We did. We've all touched upon the fact that Martin Freeman's character is completely irrelevant. Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character. And these are two actors that I like, but like Mm -hmm. they're literally there to advertise the Thunderbolts movie. Like that's what they're there for. They're like, hey, don't forget us. We've got another movie coming out next year or in two years or whenever it's coming out. And so, you know, hey, we're over here just so you know. And nothing about them matters other than the fact that to remind you that they know these characters so that they make sense in the next movie. Uh, So they were a flaw for me. I didn't care. Yeah. Yeah, There's Um, no scene that they had that I was like, oh, this, there's so many moving scenes and stuff for all sorts of different reasons. I was like, these scenes do nothing for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They were absolutely unnecessary in this movie. I mean, he cameoed him. He has the cameo where he matters for that first phone call so that because the obvious assumption the Wakandans are going to make when they get attacked is that it's the Americans and he and the Americans are going to assume that they were the Wakandans. So you need someone to make that phone call, someone that the royal family trusts so you can go, I don't know. It wasn't us. I, I don't know what you do. What yeah. is, you know, like, right. Like, so and he is that yeah. first scene and then yeah. that's it. The rest of the, the other 15 minutes he's on screen in this film, irrelevant. He, he had 30 <laughs> seconds of usefulness and then they just 
had to justify him for the entire thing. I'm like, whatever. That was one of my flaws. Like that, I was just like, I could take, I could cut 15 minutes out of this movie easy just by. Yeah. <laughs> on Wisecrack, Michael said that like anytime two white people are on the screen together, you can go to the bathroom. And yeah. he's hundred oh, percent. Yeah. yeah. And it's because it's literally, and he didn't want to spoil it. It's literally the two of them. And they just, they do not affect the actual plot at all. Once, you know, once he's done with his phone call to Angela Bassett, there's, you know, he's got no other purpose in this film. Like nothing matters. So I'm like, eh, whatever. I mean, it is interesting to see, like, again, it's, they're like tertiary characters, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, and just again, a, a cool thing to see in the comic book world that it was just like, all black and brown folks, really? And then fucking Elaine has to throw me out of the movie for five minutes, you know? And then, <laughs> but I was like, wow, what a triumph. Like, and again, I can't overstate how, you know, how that shit really does stuff. It really moved me, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. White folks come on a screen and fucking throw me out of the movie. (laughs) I felt similarly, and this is going to be the more controversial one. I felt similarly about Riri Williams. I felt like the actress who played her, Dominique Thorne, did a great job with a character who is ultimately inconsequential to everything that happens. Like she, at the very beginning, she's a MacGuffin. She, you know, they, they need, she gets mm-hmm. things started because she's the, she is the generic scientist that, you know, they need to go save, which is fine. But like the interesting thing is they're trying to say, and she's Riri Williams, you know, Ironheart from the comics. We're going to give her a costume and she'll probably be in the young Avenger someday. And she's going to, and by the way, she's got a series coming to Disney plus, you know, yeah, like it's literally, it's again it's cross placement <laughs> to where I, I felt like in her case maybe she had more to do in an earlier draft but in in like i'm wondering if she had more to do when she's teaming up with t'challa than she does when she's teaming up with shuri here she like, shuri are yeah they are so much alike in terms of you they are yes. these genius young women tech geniuses they don't she want has, to steal she, her thunder yeah she has the armor but she's so overshadowed by shuri and i was just like okay you're here i guess and by the way she loses the armor at the end of the um for now now we know she's getting a disney plus series so we know she's going to have armor again and the only reason i can assume that she lost the armor is so that we can been two episodes of the Disney Plus series with her rebuilding it. Yeah. Like, like it's literally, I, I know what's going to happen and she's going to build a new version so that you can sell, again, so you can sell a new toy. But like, other than that, I don't know. I yeah, don't I knew know why she's this. in this film. I knew none of that. You know, uh-huh. like, it mm-hmm. explains a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And because I wanted, I, I was hoping for more. I was like, oh, yeah. cool. Like, the hip kid and they're young and smart and, and she's going to, she's like, oh, like, I'll roll with this. It'll be cool. And because the introduction to that mm-hmm. character on the college campus, that's those that scene in the dorm room is fucking great. That's funny. All it's great. Yeah. It's yeah. So I was like, this is great. Yeah, and, and, and then it was I, all kind of downhill from there. Yeah, with and I fully understand character. why they wanted to pair her up with Shuri. You know, they provide a nice contrast to each other, except there wasn't enough of a contrast to each other. <laughs> well, and also, she was cast before Chadwick died, right? Yeah, right. Like, right. I think, like they just they made this decision that they were going to go forward with bringing Ironheart into this universe in the comics. So, okay, AJ, again, you know none of this. In the comics, yeah, yeah. when Tony Stark dies, uh, a new hero appears who is Riri Williams, who originally is just calling herself Iron Man because nobody knows that there's a woman in the armor. But Riri Williams builds her own Iron Man suit and just starts flying around being a superhero. 
And people were like, what's going on? And it turns out that it's not Tony Stark back from the dead. It's this 15 year old girl. This 15 year old girl has just built this, has just, you know, built an Iron Man suit out of scraps in her inner garage. Right. And that's like her origin. So I understand why in the death of Tony Stark in the movies, they're like, oh, now's the perfect time. We can bring Riri in. They aged her up, you know, whatever. They did give her belly shirt, though. I did notice that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they, yeah. And they made, but like it's, it's the same character. And then she ends up becoming really good friends with Shuri because they've got a lot in common. They're two smart, genius black girls in a superhero world. So, yeah, they hang out together. And I think that was intended to be their relationship. And then Chadwick dies. So now Shuri's got to lead the movie Mm -hmm. and it becomes harder because you you can't have re upstaging Shuri in her own movie. Like you can't. Right. So I felt like, but I did feel like after once she's rescued, um, you know, she gets kidnapped with Shuri, but like, there's no reason for her to be kidnapped with Shuri. She's just down there. Like they're the Atlanteans want her because they want to kill her so that she can't build, you know, tech for the Americans. And then they kidnap her and don't kill her for some reason. Like, like they, they, like they were only there to kill her. Why they kidnapped her at all makes no sense. They could have just killed her. Like, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like they had her. She was unconscious. Oh, problem and, solved. Yeah. And Shuri's like, no, don't take her. Take me instead. And if they were real bad guys, they'd be like, but we don't want to take her. Kaboom. And you blow her head off. Like, that's why right. you're here. Right. Like, you're just there to assassinate her. So it makes no sense other than the fact that they just need they need the movie to happen at that point. And so so her storyline is broken. I thought the actress was delightful and I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to her TV show <laughs> yeah. where, where she can shine because like, I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, you can do something, but this wasn't the movie for it. So that was another of my flaws with it. No, I loved her introduction in the movie, but then it was just kind of, I was kind of losing any connection I had with that character, you know, but again, at the beginning, I thought it was cool. And again, very charming in that dorm room. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. car and a motorcycle in this garage. Nice. This is going good. And uh, <laughs> two things that you like. Yes. Yeah. Personally, I just love that shit. And I was like, mm-hmm. cool. Things with motors. Cool. And then I just like and then it was hard, like in that final kind of battle to kind of be invested in her participation. You know, she's the third person in an armored suit because there's well, like fourth because Shuri's the Black Panther suit. Shuri's in. And then they've got they've got uh, Aniki and Okoye are in the whatever, the Midnight Angel suits. And then so now Riri's in the Ironheart. Suit. So it's just it's an there's just a fourth Iron Man character running around. And I don't. Right, right. And that's what she is. Right. Like, yeah. so. So that was a flaw for me. She just needed more to do, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, like that, that was like my my only that was my only problem with her. She just needed something to yeah. do in the film. Yeah. So, so we've resolved nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, my my only other thing is, you know, movie could have used more Winston Duke. All movies could use yeah. more Winston Duke. Yeah, yeah, he's delightful. He stole every scene he was in, and I think he's got the, like five lines. Yeah, like, and maps. given the people he's in scenes with, that's an accomplishment. Yes, yeah, yeah, he's so, literally yeah. he's the one person who like he, and it's weird because his character is so over the top. He's like running around barking. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and like just I, his best line in the film is, "I say we go and kill the fish man." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed him, but yeah, 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 we've resolved. Yeah, he was really great, a really great performance from him, and just kind of stole every moment, every line of dialogue, and you know, <laughs> he's great. Yeah. 
So we think we should, I think you should go see it. Yeah. I mean, if you, I wonder, yeah. like, does anybody listen to the show if they haven't? Like, I know, for instance, I know Hannah will avoid this entire episode, even though she's not on it because she won't mm. want spoilers. And she's looking forward to this movie so that she can cry for it. <laughs> and as she said, you know, so I know she won't watch it. Monica will probably, Monica's probably seen the movie by the time this episode has come out because she was going to yeah. go tonight. So, so she'll listen. You know, Katya doesn't care about spoilers. So, so if you're like Katya, and and you know don't care about spoilers so you've listened this far i think you should go see the film is that oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah but anyway beyond that aj thanks for joining us this was fun as always it's been a while since you've been on the oh, yeah. show so yeah no it's been yeah. a minute man but uh, yeah thanks yeah. again for having yeah, me thanks, AJ. i love the conversation always yeah always good to talk to you uh any anywhere people can find you uh you can find my website all my writing type stuff ajortega.net and then you can get old episodes of my podcast which will be starting up again in just a month or two writers and fighters com absolutely and wayne you know i know what <laughs> no i want you to plug something plug your do you even remember your own instagram account that's the tetrock 2012 right <laughs> yeah i'm still posting photos and things so i'm working i'm working on some stuff i don't know maybe a year from now i have something to genuinely plug so. wonderful <laughs> great uh, anyway, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Well, I don't know. You can follow me on Twitter if Twitter exists Maybe. as you're listening Twitter, to this. Yes. If Twitter is a thing, you can follow me on Twitter. Otherwise, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook. All of the places that still exist, I'm at Chris Maverick. <laughs> you can follow the show, all those same places that still exist, at Vox Podcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpodcast.com, where we talk about whatever we're talking about next week i think it's quiet quitting but i'm not sure it depends on a few things that's scheduling but we've got some ideas so you know go to the blog comment on stuff let us know what your thoughts are let us know what your thoughts are on this show if you listen to the episode and you have thoughts about like you know about this film or about our opinions on it just you know write us a comment or either on the blog or on the facebook post or i guess tweet at us if twitter still exists because you're listening to this and Wait, not, have- not a sentence we thought we would have said two weeks ago well i mean yeah i mean oh god and maybe, maybe we need to do a whole show about this we Kati and i were talking about it earlier today it's the idea i am not an alarmist everybody knows i am a student of culture cultural studies is my religion it is the thing that i believe in more than anything else and when people when musk took it over I never for a second believed he was going to tank the company. Like as in, it, it, I didn't think I, he'd have it go out of business. I thought what would happen would be he would crash the stock. It might have to go bankrupt. He might lose control of it. But I thought sooner or later, he's going to lose this company or sell it. And someone else is going to have to rebuild it. And Twitter, as we knew it, will be very vastly different. But it will still exist. That's where I always was. I am not sure anymore. And this after this week, just watching it yesterday as we record, which was when the shit just really hit the fan and watching everything go on. I was just like, I, this is amazing because I'm watching what has become a global communications network, which might just cease to exist at any moment now. And this is fascinating for me. So, so that we are in uncharted territory that has been really fascinating to watch. So if you've got thoughts on that, you know, tell us about them somehow on Twitter, maybe, but like, <laughs> you know, if not, you know, write us or something, you know, comment on our post about that. We want to know your thoughts. I'm just not sure where you can leave them. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> But beyond that, 
If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that gooses the algorithm, makes us more popular, really helps us out. And I just like to read them. We haven't had one in a while. Like, just, you know, so don't just leave. I mean, leave us a five-star rating, but please leave us five-star review because it just, it makes me feel all good. And they're fun. And, you know, I just like to know what people are saying. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank AJ for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Peace.